Hey everybody, what is going on? My name is Eric McGrew and I'm here with Elevated Office Podcast and Eric Tree Service, of course. I'm also um, bringing you these shows by Weaver Arborist and Gap Arbor Supply. They help me produce these and I am grateful for their support. Um, soon here, I will be doing some product testing for a few companies that I'll let you guys kind of know what's going on with that. Um, recently, Seth with Jailbreak sent me out the well, his he's got a couple of new um, versions, I guess, uh, additions or um, slight revisions to the jailbreak. But the jailbreak that I have is is it functions the same way. It's just slightly different in form. And so I've been working with that. And to be honest with you guys, so there's no commitment to jailbreak on my part. Um, we talked about it and he sent it out for me to demo and try and whatever. Got to tell you, um, me and my groundies are really impressed with the jailbreak. Um, one of the big reasons that I'm interested in and impressed with the jailbreak is because the jailbreak is way smoother than um, most porter wraps. And it's true you get the right rope and you get the right porter wrap mixed together um, and you learn how to finesse it right. If you've been running a porter wrap long enough, um, it can it can feel pretty good. Still, porter wraps have a tendency that if you put just a little too much pressure in your hands on it, it kind of feels jerky. Or if the if the rope had been hockled and it got pulled through, and the and the fabric is twisted just a little bit, it can feel kind of jerky. And um, if it got a little wet. As as that wet section comes around the bollard, it can it can feel a little bit jerky. I gotta say the the jailbreak is way smoother in general. And there's two ways to determine how I'm feeling about the jailbreak as far as smoothness goes. Um, I'm not running the jailbreak. My guy on the ground is, or my guys on the ground are. And um, so one way is how it feels on the ground. Well, there's three ways in. One way is how it feels on the ground, and they say it's way smoother than the the porter wrap. Second way is um, watching them, just how much they have to like manage it with their hands. Um, so that's another way. And then third off is like when I'm in a big tree on smaller diameter material, how it reacts and how it affects my feeling in the tree. So like. Porter wraps at times, if, you, if you've ever felt that little bit of a jerk or jar, it's not that it's like shaking you out of the tree. That's not what I'm talking about. But you can feel it kind of vibrate through the tree as it is moving and it's kind of like not as smooth. I don't feel that with the jailbreak at all. Like once it starts to run, they can control it easily. It it feels really smooth. Um, seems to be robust, so I'm not really worried about that. There are a couple of things that I'm trying to to um, test a little bit more and figure out, for instance, um, if you over wrap, or well, you don't really wrap, but if you over install the the rope around too many of the the um, bollards, I'm trying to figure out how you can get those off under load to make it less. Um, I do know that you can like push the rope through the pigtail and kind of force feed the rope up so that it comes down. Um, that's kind of slow. So it, it kind of requires you to kind of have an idea on what you're doing as far as like 
um, pretty good idea of what the weight is and how much that device is going to to require with that rope that you're running because like all devices, depending on the rope that you're running, the device will run that rope differently. So um, like Samson Blue is going to run different than Arborplex and um, all that kind of stuff, right? I mean, there's a bunch of ropes out there, so we're not going to go into all the names, but they, I know for a fact that those two run very differently. Scandiri, which is not technically a rigging rope, but I use it for light stuff because it's a very old climb line that I burnt um, in an emergency job using it as a um, rigging rope. It runs differently. And um, and by burnt, I mean the sheathing got friction burnt on the natural crotch we were using. So um, with all of that being said, the cons, you know, quote unquote, of the jailbreak are minimal, <laughs> super minimal, and it's still way better than any of the um, Porter wraps that I've used. Now, in all fairness, the jailbreak is not a cheap device. You're talking about a device that's about 500 bucks for what it is. Um, and clearly a Porter wrap, you know, a large Porter wrap is usually only $150. So is it worth the difference in price? To me, yes. I would definitely say it is. Um, bunch of factors here that kind of make me feel that way. One, I threw a brand new guy on the jailbreak last week. So I guess that was, um, maybe Thursday or Wednesday, um, threw a guy on the jailbreak. He had never even worked in the tree industry, had no idea of ropes and, and Porter wraps or friction devices or whatever. And I had my guy down there who does the, um, friction devices for me usually, runs the ropes and um he was watching him and we took like a couple of big chunks one was probably 450 pounds and one was almost 700 pounds and they were taken on like really noodly tall like 80 foot stems of cottonwood that were probably 18 inches in diameter so at the top i mean so it was it, it whipped pretty good um that was not what i was in i was next to it and he was able to like his first two tries he was able to keep the dynamic force to a minimal um would i have been whipped a little bit had i been in it yeah i would have a little bit my you know mind you this is his first time ever running ropes um with some pretty large chunks of wood and um they swung, let's see, from where I cut them to where center of the rigging spar was. You know, it's probably an eight-foot swing, so not huge, but enough to, you know, if you if you have issues, it, it causes problems. And it was pretty, I mean, I was, I was pretty impressed for it to be his first time ever. Um, I know guys who have been running ropes on Porter Wraps that it would have been about that jittery and and shake about that much with good handling of a porter wrap um you don't have to worry about your ropes crossing over like you do on a porter wrap and stuff so this isn't a sales pitch to you guys i'm just letting you know why i would pay for the jailbreak so far with my experiences i've been using it for about two weeks a week and a half something like that um you can run two ropes in it which is pretty pretty cool it's much lighter because it's aluminum it's much much lighter than um like most of the Porter wraps are really easy to install. The only thing you have to kind of get used to it, used to with it is, um, you can't unwrap halfway through 
like if you if you had too many wraps on a porter wrap, you uh, fling a couple off. And as far as I can tell, I haven't figured out how to like reduce bollard friction because once the weight's on, it's pressed against the bollards that it's zigzagging through. So that's one thing. Um, they say, and I haven't had any problems with it, but they say they've tested it. And if you have it zigzagged through accordingly and you lock it off by running it, you take the rope coming out of the bottom pigtail and wrap it around the bottom bollard and then wrap it around the pigtail again and then like a half hitch on a bite. It, it's locked off and it holds. I'm not saying that's not true. I've, I've tried it a couple times and it seemed to work. Um, well, that is one of my concerns is like how much weight will that pigtail hold? Like, if, so let's say one of the, the common reasons you might need to lock off is maybe you didn't wrap hard enough. You didn't put enough wraps on there. If that's the case, will that pigtail hold? It's spring still. It's pretty beefy. I think it will. Got to do some more research on that. I'm not saying it won't. Don't, don't misunderstand. I'm giving you first impressions of this thing. And overall, they're overwhelmingly good. Um, it doesn't hockle your rope, which is a big deal. So um, getting your rope behind you so that you can run it is, is awesome. You can run two ropes in the jailbreak as well. They run parallel up through the system. So you can actually have one guy with two hit both hands running, you know, if you, if you set it right, he can run the, the um, V rig or the span rig or the, um, the tagline and the lowering line together. It, yeah. And they don't have to run the same course. So you can have like your lowering rope run through more bollards and your tagline run through less. So, um, I, everything about it so far says that it's worth the money. Um, I'd like to give it a little bit more go, you know, um, and I'm talking to Seth a little bit more about it. I'm not trying to create doubts in it. It's a new product though, right? So I, I just, you know, these are my first impressions so far. I'm seriously impressed. Um, but, uh, you know, longevity and long term. I know this one, this one device has been used for a while. No significant grooves from the ropes running on it. I don't know who else has used it and how they've used it. So I'm not sure like how much big weight has been dropped on it. I'm sure quite a bit though, because people tend to try to break stuff and, and whatnot. Um but it's been it's been pretty good. I'm I'm pretty stoked on that. Um it would also be one thing I'm not sure about, I think from the structure and what I've seen, it would be reasonable enough to use in the tree. Um, the only thing that makes me kind of stay with us, we'll be right back. You love listening to podcasts, but have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Maybe you want to build a brand, grow your business, or are looking for an excuse to talk about your favorite hobby. Whatever your reason for making a podcast, Buzzsprout is the place to start. Since 2009, Buzzsprout has helped over 300,000 people launch their own podcasts. Buzzsprout walks you step-by-step step through the whole process and will give you powerful tools to start, grow, and monetize your podcast. Ready to get started? Click the link in the show notes to get our free step-by-step -step guide to starting your podcast today. Furious about using it in the tree, which I want to do, is the pigtail, because you have a pigtail that the rope has to go in at a 90-degree angle to the device, and then you have a pigtail coming out the top to make sure it all stays in alignment. Um, kind of like the pigtails on the GRCS, those little pigtails that your rope has to go in when you're doing lowering. Um, 
So we'll see in the tree that might be a little bit more complex. I don't know yet. I have to, I have to test it some more. So that's kind of where we stand on it at the moment. Um, the fact that it's aluminum means that it handles outdoor weather really well and it is just pretty light and that's a real nice plus. Um, you could easily like clip it to your, your tree gear bag, your, you know, your gear bag and then like have it hanging off the side of the carabiner or something and carry it and it not be a big deal. Um, it does have an accessory hole at the top that you can put like a carabiner with extra pulleys to make like three to ones or five to ones or whatever with. So there's a lot of, um, they've thought it out pretty well and now they're coming out with new colors, which is just, you know, it's cool and that kind of stuff. So go check out, um, I think it's uh jailbreak.net or jailbreakarborist.net or something like that. Um, I don't have it in front of me and I haven't really looked at their website much. I've looked at it a few times, but so go check that out. They're really, really cool. Um, I should be getting some product in um, from Pelican Rope just to try out their ropes. Um, we're gonna we're gonna do a number of tests. As far as I understand, I'm getting some static and some 16 strand, some 24 strand, and um, I'm also getting, uh, let's see, what else am I getting? I think I'm getting some rigging ropes and um, they, they have a specific static rope that is supposed to be uh, what, um, approved by Ronin because I am using my Ronin, I use it a lot now. Um, that's probably why I'm gaining weight, which I've got to get rid of, but I do like having the Ronin, it saves my legs and stuff getting in like tall trees. If it's like a, if the tree's like 60 foot or taller, I'll consider using it. It depends on the tree. Um, over 60 foot definitely just for, you know, ease and speed. Um, less than that, yeah, it depends on what I'm doing. If I have to go all the way to the top to get one thing, maybe. If I am climbing and removing the tree or pruning like from the bottom up, then, you know, your first branches are only 20, 30 foot off the ground. So I'm probably not gonna use it. Um, I do like the Ronin. I think it's a good product. The couple of things about it are it's, it's not as particular as it once was. That's for sure. Um, it is slightly particular though. And so, um, you've got to kind of keep that in mind. So, uh, that's something you just have to get used to doing it. I actually have a cam three max rope that I use for it. And that rope is, 100% dedicated to the Ronin. And the reason for that is because if the ropes get cuts or tufts in them, even if they're not to the point of retiring the rope, it can become complex going through the Ronin and the Ronin can get fibers torn off of it if it's got a tuft. So I try to prevent anything like that from happening. As soon as I get in the tree with the Ronin, I have them disconnect the Ronin line and take it out of the tree. And I have another rope in the tree that I bring up with me or that is with me that I put in there and I, I make that work. So um, I like the Ronin a lot. It saves me a lot of fatigue um, and makes climbing just way more efficient on, on my side as far as like clear thinking because I'm not as tired and stuff, especially when I have to climb like multiple hundred foot trees in a day uh, or I have to climb the same tree multiple times. Um, it, there's some real simple ideas for setup on the Ronin. I'll, I'll go over those with you. 
in another video and we'll talk about my experience with the Ronin and what you might want to know and if it's worth it or not and, and pros and cons of it and that kind of stuff. But so far I'm enjoying the Ronin. I've been using it now um, for about a year and I've probably got 75 climbs on it. So significant to kind of get a feel for it. And yeah, it's, it's, it's a good device. Um, is it the best out there? I, I see things that for the tree industry could be bettered. And I'm actually talking to Ronan because that's what I do. Um, will any of them come to fruition? I don't know. The tree industry for Ronan is really not their big industry. Um, military application, search and rescue, um, high rise, like work at heights, maintenance, and that kind of stuff is more of their bread and butter. And to be fair, the company's not huge. Um, I think there's like five employees in, in California that I know of. There may be more, I don't know, but as far as I know, it's, it's fairly small, but they, man, customer service is really good. I, I am really stoked on their customer service. Um, some, I bought one, the last one that I bought does it has reverse on it, but it doesn't have like remote reverse installed. Somebody told me all of them come with that. Now, I don't know if that's true. You'd have to find out from them directly. All of all of the devices do have reverse on them now, um, which is where you pull the, the hand lever down for the, the brake um, repel and you hit the trigger at the same time and it goes into reverse. Um, it can be finicky. Like if you don't have that handbrake all the way against, like it stop at the bottom and do it, it won't go in reverse. And that gets a little bit finicky when you're in the tree and it's kind of like moving around and you're in tight spaces and stuff. Um, overall, the device is a bit heavy to be fair. Like getting it off my saddle is the hardest part when I'm in the tree. Um, and I think I have some video of that. So I'll put that so that you guys can kind of see. And like I said, we'll go over this a bit more in another episode. Um, also, I have been working on the Z133 um, segment that's coming up next, which is section three. I've had a bunch of people ask me about when that one's coming out. I'm a, I apologize, it hasn't come out yet. The thing is, section three is quite long. Um, I'm trying to figure out where to stop each section and I have to go over each section pretty well because even though I'm not trying to interpret it for you I'm just literally reading it so that you can kind of know what's in there if you haven't seen the book or if you don't like reading or whatever um there's so much to section three and then section four that I need to make sure that I go over it thoroughly and I don't have to take a million takes to get it to you because if I don't, it, it's incoherent, it's not good quality, and um, I'm not a horrible reader by any means, but I don't like reading a whole lot, which is something why, you know, all the visual and podcast media came about for me, so um, it's just something that I have to work on, uh, I have to just take the time and, and do it, so um, that is, you know, that's something that I think that you guys will be getting here early in January, but just so you know, it is coming. I've had a lot of people ask about that. Um, another thing is if you haven't, please go subscribe to my YouTube channel. I have more stuff coming this year. I'm really working on doing some things, um, to, to, 
promote that a little bit more. And I would like your, your help just by all you got to do is click that subscribe button. And if you hit that bell, then you get all the notifications. I'm super stoked on the progress with the podcast. Um, when I wasn't posting regularly, I think we were at 500 and something, 600 something downloads per month, all the way down to like 350. Since I've started posting a few weeks ago, we're already back up to like 1400 downloads a month um, in a 30 day period. It's a rolling 30 day period. So like it changes each day. It's kind of weird. It's kind of hard to figure out because like right now it's reading the 26th of November to the 26th of December. Right. I mean, that's, that's how this works. So each day slightly makes a difference, but um, totally stoked on that. We're growing every week. I do have ads included in those now because it helps pay for the podcast hosting. And that's just the help that I need with everything that I've got my feet into. Um, new update and, and something coming out, you know, that, that you guys, I think, should know about is that um, I have been hired as a contract consultant to Weaver. That starts officially. I've, I mean, I've been doing consulting for a long time. I've been hired, I guess, as a as a consultant for a while now, probably a year and a half or so. Um, but the new position is even more intensive, um, and I will start that officially as of January third. Even though I've already got bunches of stuff in the works, and and it it encompasses a whole bunch of stuff with Weaver um, that's interesting to me. I'm I'm super stoked about it. I've spoken to the C-suite or the corporate suite and I've expressed some of my concerns and we've talked about things and they are on board. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It looks like um, I might be able to have some impact in a good way there to, to kind of help adjust some things and guide some things and get new product out and expand their product line hopefully is the idea. So we're going to be working with that. You guys will kind of be hearing about that as we go. New stuff that's coming out. Um, we are working on a saddle that has uh, been tested um, for its safety ratings and to pass inspections. Um, I'm going to get one of those here in a short future. Um, they have to. They have to make. There's none made yet, other than the sample ones. And so they have to make one that's in my size, um, which unfortunately now I'm a large. Once again, I just went to the doctor, 265 pounds. I cannot believe it. I mean, I know I'm a big guy. I didn't think, I mean, I kind of did know that I was that weight, but man, um, this year with the forestry work and everything, it's taken its toll on, on my schedule and routine. So I am actually working on that as well, because as we all know, like health is just, something we have to deal with and, and we have to be fit and things. Um, I, I don't have the drive to compete like in, in tree climbing competitions and stuff. I'm just not that guy. I have the drive to innovate and to scientifically study things. And, um, I'm trying to figure out how I can build a drop tower in my backyard. Um, pretty soon, hopefully to be testing a lot of stuff. Um, but the, the concept of my drop tower is a little bit unique. Um, I find that a lot of companies, they, they develop and they use commercial drop towers, which are very cool. Um, they do a lot for the industry, and I don't mean to 
minimize what they do or say that they're inefficient. I just think they could be slightly more efficient. Um, and so I, my drop tower has very specific designs in it that I'm not really going to go over in the, in any time soon until I get it done, but I'm looking for that. Um, friend of mine who used to work for me, uh, or with me really Zephyr, he left me a rock exotica, um, enforcer and, um, I've got to, oh, since we moved, I can't find it. Um, I've got to find it. It has limited drop capabilities and pool capabilities, but there are some seriously cool tests that I want to do here soon. And so we'll be, you know, if I can find that thing, we'll be doing those soon. If not, uh, to see if I can get my hands on a different one. Um, if any of you guys have a enforcer that you would let me borrow, or if you want to donate to the podcast and elevated office and Eric tree service and don't, you know, and to the betterment of the, um, the industry really, it would, it would be super awesome. Let me know. Um, and we can work it out. I, I really, there's another one that I've been looking at. Um, if you haven't, it, it, so this is not tree related at all. If you haven't seen a channel on YouTube called how not to, so that's H O W N O T. And then the number two, right? How not to, um, go check it out. It's pretty impressive what they're doing. And, and the guys are pretty funny to watch and they're doing lots of pool tests. So my goal is to mimic, I mean, I had the idea before I found their channel. This is not a unique idea. My, my goal though is to build a system similar to what they have, a drop tower and a pool table, um, so that I can break stuff in different orientations and different scenarios that we might find it in and try to figure out, um, versus a straight pool test, like what is done in the labs. Most of the time I want to pull things in more organic configurations to the tree world. And most things aren't done that way because they're not really building most devices for arborist. Um, there are design. I mean, so even if a de design was developed for arborist in particular, the reality of it is, is that they're almost all tested the same way as like non-arborist equipment would be tested. Um, it's a very straightforward, a very um, refined and, you know, good medium, I guess you could say of testing. So I, once again, I'm not putting that down. I'm just saying I'm more curious, like the way that we do things, um, how that affects the way that things react versus just it being in a, in a hydraulic pool ram that, that pulls stuff apart at its like ideal axis. Right. Cause that's how things are typically tested. Like a D carabiner, um, it's pulled on its main axis and then they pull it laterally and see what the side access rate is and, and what a gate access or whatever is. Um, and that's all fine and good, but I want to actually like do it differently than that. I, I want to put it in slings and, and things and, and see how they work. So, um, yeah, that's, that's really cool. Another thing that we're going to talk about here very soon, uh, I was planning on doing it today, but actually I've talked about so much other stuff. I, I don't really have the time I wanted to, but, um, I want to talk about knots, not because you guys don't know knots. Most of you do. Um, so people do ask me though, especially newer guys, like uh, inexperienced guys, 
um, beginner climbers or intermediate guys that are, you know, like expanding their realm of, of, um, tree work and experience, they asked me, you know, what not should I know? Well, while it's not 100% comprehensive, um, Tree Climber's Guide to the Canopy is a great place to start. There are multiple knots in there that I really think you should know. Um, they have some Prusik knots and things like that as well, which, you know, when people talk about knots, sorry for my hair, it's just not laying down. Um, they are, even though they're... Some of them are kind of outdated. Um, none of it's so outdated you shouldn't at least know some of it. Um, because like even old school knots, Blake's hitches and and um, taut lines and all that stuff, they're super handy in an emergency, especially if you're carrying like a split tail on you or if you just have a knife and can cut off a hank of your rope to, to get down if something fells on you or whatever. Um, or if you just can swap over to the tail of your rope and run a, a Blake sitch, you know, and, and a moving rope system. So that kind of stuff is, is important when it comes to prusiks and things, it's very dependent on person and feel and whatever. I mean, there's a million prusiks out there. A lot of it's going to be your combination of hitch cord and, um, climbing rope. If you have it, go check out my episode. It was a few episodes previous to this one. Um, pairing, how to tips for pairing hitch cord and climbing rope gives you some, um, concepts of what's going on there. And then, um, you can, yeah, it, it just varies a little bit. Right. So, um, and then there's also just basic safety, um, life safety devices that aren't specifically going to release you and let you down a line, but they will hold you. And those are good to know as well. Um, so all of that is really important. So, the other thing that I get asked though, or, or what people ask me more specifically, I guess I should say, is what kind of knots do I typically use and which do they know for whatever. This is very dependent on who you are and what your preference is. A lot of it's going to be how how comfortable you feel tying certain knots or not tying knots, um, how easy they are for you to tie in the tree, uh, you know, what you can remember, that kind of stuff. So, Probably the main go-to knot that I use for, I would, I would say it's probably like a good 70% of everything I do is of course the bowlin or the bowlin on a bite or the, um, running bowlin. All of them are the same, not essentially just slightly different, um, circumstances that create the difference. Like for instance, a bowline on a bite is a bowline just with two legs of rope made in a configuration of a bite that you create. Um, a running bowline is a bowline just around a standing leg of line that lets it run like a noose would around something or a cincher so it chokes. Um, those I use like most of the time. So for me, I use those um, just really quickly rigging a lot uh, to tie off pieces that are going to get rigged. I use them for... Um, basal anchors at the bottom of the tree. I use them for hauling up gear. Sometimes I'll throw one in the end of a line or the middle of a line and send it down and they hook it on or whatever. Um, <clears throat> I use them for, um, bowling on the bites. I'll use for like a trucker's itch because I like it better than the twisted version that I used to use. Um, and biggest factor for me is if I'm in doubt and I'm creating something like, 
I, I need a knot that won't cinch on me for some reason. I use bowlines a lot because I trust that they'll be able to handle the load and still be untieable. Um, so there's that. Then, and, and just so you know, I have broken six or seven rigging lines that were, you know, like Arborplex, um, Samson Blue, um, oh, I forgot the other one that I broke, pulling trees over, and the bowline didn't break, but the rope snapped. So, um, they, and then I could still untie them. So they're definitely a rope that I trust for like having heavy loads on that I don't, I know they won't cinch and get caught. Other than that, um, some things, you know, I guess they're knots. I don't really consider them a knot, but like a clove hitch, I use a lot. The munter I use a lot too for repelling short distances if I don't have the device I want or if I'm using the tail of a rope. Um, clove hitch I use a lot for choking things off like a midline uh, attachment point for pulleys or, or whatever. Um, so I use that a lot. Uh, I do use... Um, Oh, what it, a sheet bend we use a lot for pulling ropes up to each other. Barrel knots you're going to use a lot for like terminating things. They're a stopper. That's my go-to stopper knot on my lanyards and, of course, on my rope bridges. I think that's the standard that most people use. And that's what most companies are are creating is the, um, the barrel knot or the double overhand fisherman's knot, I think some people call it, or something like that. I actually think the fisherman's knot and the barrel knot are two different ones. But they're similar, and some people call one them, you know, they, they kind of intermingle that, um, you know, situation. Uh, so I use those. Um, slip knot, a, a basic slip knot is a big deal to use um, for like if I have rigging line and I need slack and I pull a whole bunch of slack through, but it's going to run back through the pulley or the ring because of the way the rope on the other side. I do that. And then, of course, um, alpine butterflies are quite handy. I use those quite a bit. Um, the one thing to know about alpine butterflies in the, like, cons area is that if they are loaded too hard, it becomes a knife knot. So the great thing about alpine butterflies that everybody uses them for is that they're midline attachable, and that's awesome. Um, so you can tie it anywhere in your rope. It's really quick to tie. It's really easy. Super secure problem is is that um if you tie it in the middle of a 200 foot rope and you overload it somehow then you may have to cut your rope essentially in half <clears throat> because it can become a knife knot so that's not great um so you have to know when and how to use it which is why we're going to go over some of these knots and how i use them and when i use them um but the other great thing about a alpine butterfly is it is three-way you can Pull both legs. You can use both legs and the knot, and it be okay. And you can also pull the loop of the knot in any direction, and it not come untied, um, which you can't do with certain other knots. Um, you definitely can't like put weight on the tail of a bowline and it be one hundred percent secure and that kind of stuff. Um, there, there, there are debates about things, and people kind of find ways to finagle stuff not really suggested like i know a lot of people are like oh well i just use a slip knot and put a carabiner through it and it won't let the the loop run through and it's like yeah but i there have been some things that said that under certain applications it, the knot could loosen up and carabiners could come through or, or 
whatever. I mean, you can't really, <laughs> you know, solve all the problems in the world, but under normal circumstances, like a slipknot's not recommended for certain things. And we'll talk about that, even though I use the slipknot quite a bit and it is, it is very handy. Um, and then overhands, uh, you know, you use overhands a lot just for little reasons. Like, um, if I want, if I don't have a retrieval ball and I want to retrieve a, um, a friction device, an adjustable friction saver or a friction saver, I can throw an overhand in there and get it through the big ring and it gets stuck on the small ring and pull it. Now, I will say that if the um, friction saver is stuck on really rough bark or in a tight crotch and you pull on it hard enough, your overhand could shrink enough that it may possibly come through the um, small ring depending on the diameter of your rope and and various things like that. So yeah, these are all just a real quick brief brush over of these knots. Um, in future episodes, especially on YouTube, I'll be going over knots that I use and how I use them and why I use them and, and why I prefer them and then um, what to kind of think about with them. I'm no knot expert, so don't, don't misunderstand. These have served me well, though, and um, I like them. So just kind of keep that in mind. I'm not encouraging or suggesting you use them. I'm suggesting that you do more research, figure out if it's something you feel comfortable with, and um, see how they potentially could be used and figure out if that's what you want to do with them. So yeah, that's kind of what's going on right now. We've got a lot of stuff going on. I just got, I'm recording with it right now, just got um, my new iPhone 14 Pro Max. And the reason I got that is for the camera. Incredible camera, 48 megapixel on the main. That is pretty impressive to me. Um, the good thing about that is, is that I will be able to also use some lenses on it. Like I got a, a Moment a 58 millimeter lens that's coming on and that I can put on it to do a little bit of zoom stuff. I've also got an anamorphic for wide view also makes it look just a little nicer um, that I'm going to be able to use with it. I got the new app. Well, not new. It's new to me because I haven't had it before, but I just got beast cam app um, for shooting with the anamorphic lens, which is going to be super rad. And this is all going to be part of what I'm doing, but also part of what I'm doing for Weaver. And um, yeah, we're going to, we're going to see what happens. I'm, I'm super stoked about the potentials. Um, got a lot of climbing stuff coming up, which is awesome. Um, got a lot of testing to do, which is pretty cool too. That's my favorite thing. If I could, if I could climb trees right now in my life, if I could get out of climbing trees commercially and just do testing and remove a tree a month or something like that and make enough money, that's totally what I would do. The science side of this is way more interesting to me these days than just going and doing a job. Like going and doing a job, you're pressured for money. You just got to go get it done. You don't get to enjoy the experience quite as much. Um, but climbing trees and testing stuff to me is like way more intimate with the tree, way more intimate with the gear. It's just fun. And um, unfortunately, I don't have the time on the weekends that I would like to. So I'm working on making all that happen with around Eric's tree service and um, see how that works. And then, of course, with the help of Weaver and Gap Arbor Supply, that's been um, 
something fun to to be able to work with so that's kind of what we've got going on hope you guys enjoy everything that i'm putting out thanks for listening to the podcast there is a um donate button there if you would like to uh just buy me a coffee uh which i drink a lot of coffee so that would help and that's what keeps me going through all these episodes uh just hit that donate button in the show notes of the podcast and you can just donate few dollars, a dollar if you want, whatever, anything helps. And I appreciate it very much, but um, no pressure. Just listening is a huge help as well. So thank you all. I will see you in the next one and be safe out there climbing.